All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 12 of Barnick's Blazing Hot Podcast. I'm your host, Barnick. So today we're going to jump into a lot of NFL action. Um, I'm going to go over the recaps of some of the games and well, actually all of the games that happened in our super wild card weekend. And then I'm going to get into some other relevant topics. So starting off is uh, the 49ers beating Seattle 41 to 23. Listen, Seattle fought hard in the first half, but everyone knew that they didn't have enough firepower to go toe to toe with the 49ers. Um, The 49ers, on the other hand, yes, they put up 41 points, but um, Seattle's pass rush made Brock Purdy show a little bit of his true colors, which is he was panicking in the pocket pretty well when, um, you know, the pass rush came after him. And there were a lot of times that the pass rush wasn't even close to him and he had more time to hang in the pocket and he would roll out prematurely and um, just make some errant throws. So they're going to be going up against Dallas. Um, I think that Dallas has a tremendous defensive line. So we're going to get into this in the next podcast, but um, that's going to be a big turning point if Brock Purdy can, you know, get past the yips as far as uh, being pressured to make throws and roll out and um, what good decisions or bad decisions he makes, which will sway a game. Next up, we have one of the craziest games. The Jaguars beat the Chargers 31-30. to So I was actually feeling a little bit under the weather. Um, I came home and I slept until about two minutes left in the second quarter. And I saw that Trevor Lawrence had just thrown his fourth interception. And at this point, in the back of my mind, I was just like, all right, listen, like there is a good chance the Jags might be able to come back. I don't think it's going to happen, but they could. And Doug Peterson told them the right things. Trevor Lawrence settled down and they were just able to, you know, continually make the right decisions and just execute plays in order to chip back in that game. They didn't go for the long ball. Um, They didn't go for the big home run plays, which I think Trevor Lawrence as a player and Doug Peterson as a well-seasoned coach, a top five, maybe top three coach in the league, understands that you can't get back in games by throwing home run passes that might enable mistakes. So a couple takeaways was Trevor Lawrence obviously showed some very low lows in this game, but he showed some really good highs. Um... I doubt a game that bad will happen again. Um, I just think that, you know, this was his first playoff game. He had some issues, and I don't think we'll see that again. Um, The only reason Chargers put up a lot of points was because of turnovers. They really did not do much on um, the offensive side of the ball. One of those things, when you're a team that gets out to a big lead, and you know it's, you know, pretty much because of turnovers— that's when in the second half you just continuously run the ball and throw underneath routes to your tight ends just so you can get first downs and not three and outs to the point where um, you allow the other team to get back in the game. Brandon Staley should be fired. Um, Mike Williams being injured was a huge reason why they didn't have one of those security blankets for Justin uh, Herbert. His play calling was horrible. Um you know, Bosa came over on the sideline and was throwing his helmet instead of Brandon Staley putting him in his place and saying, you better stop. You just cost us um, a two point conversion, which ultimately lost them the game. He just handed him his helmet back like a pussy. Um, and here's the thing. 
The Jaguars will square off with the Chiefs. Um, and I, I think the Jaguars have a good outlook. They have a deep core of players that are underrated. Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. They have guys that can produce. Yes, you don't you don't have a Tyreek Hill or a Justin Jefferson, but you have enough guys that you're able to put up points and be consistent. Um, and here's the thing. When you have guys that know their roles and are able to do what they're doing, um, I think it's a, it's a little more beneficial than having one guy like Justin Jefferson who gets shut down and destroys your whole game plan. All right, next up, we have the Bills beating the Dolphins 34-31. to Listen, this is scary for Buffalo. Um, they kept Miami in this game with Josh Allen's two interceptions and his two fumbles. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where if Buffalo wants to win, Josh Allen needs to limit his turnovers because against a good team, you know, they don't have a Skylar Thompson at quarterback that's, you know, not able to manage the game as well as some of these other AFC quarterbacks. So I think they're very lucky they played Miami. Um, you know, it is a division interdivisional game. They did have a week off because of the whole DeMar Hamlin incident, so they might have been a little rusty. But that's no excuse to allow a Dolphins team that has a third-string quarterback in to stay in the game and potentially win, which it, it came down to pretty close to the end because your quarterback cannot hang on to the ball. Um, there's a time and a place to be a complete gunslinger, and I think that Josh Allen doesn't understand that fine line yet, and that's going to come back to haunt him here in the playoffs. As far as the Dolphins go, listen, I think they need to trade Tua. They need to look at either a seasoned quarterback that's been in the league for a bunch of years or like a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, who can fit into that team um, very well. I would stay, say stay as far away from Lamar Jackson as you can, but we'll definitely see what they can do here in the future. All right, next up we have Minnesota 24 and the New York Giants 31. Listen, this was one of those games where I said it could be close. Um, I thought Minnesota would have the edge just because of Justin Jefferson and that offense, but their defense was horrible. They couldn't stop Daniel Jones running the ball. They couldn't stop Saquon. They allowed Isaiah Hodgins, the what second or third string receiver that nobody knows for the Giants to have a good game um, to shine. And that's what killed him. Minnesota's defense could not stop the Giants. They are two mediocre teams. This could have went either way, but I just think that Minnesota needs to look at their outlook and see what's going on with their team because they cannot win games by, by, you know, one touchdown or one field goal in the last couple minutes and expect to do well in the playoffs. Um, this is just very bad for the fan base. I mean, I'm sure that they're ticked that um, they got their hopes up. But, you know, anyone who isn't biased saw this coming from a mile away because they had a lot of issues on their team, and they were very lucky with some of the games that um, they played. But as far as the Giants go, you know, good for them. They are a team just like the Jaguars that people didn't expect to do much. And look, here they are. Um I think that their magic stops right here because they have to face Philadelphia at home. Um, I'll get into that next week in my playoff preview, but um, or my divisional round preview. But good for them. I think that 
you know, they see that Daniel Jones can be a good quarterback. They see that Saquon Barkley, um, you know, can stay healthy and be that cornerstone for them. So what they need to do now is look at filling those holes with um, guys that Brian Dable can coach up, fix the wide receiver core, and, you know, make a run at that division because they have a very solid team. And Brian Dable's a great coach, but um, like I said, I think that their magic is going to run to an end here. All right, next up, we have Dallas beating Tampa Bay. I think it was, what, like 31-12 to 12 or something like that. Um, listen, like I said, Tampa Bay barely got out of the NFC South. That is just a horrible division. They haven't looked good all year. Um, the Dallas defense, I mean, they played phenomenal. Their defensive line was so good tonight, and Tom Brady had no time. He was out of sync. Even on short passes, he didn't have time. He was making errant throws. Their run game didn't do much. That's just one of those things where, um, you know, when you have a team that's not in sync and you have older players and you have holes on your team, it shows against a team like Dallas that's solid, you know, pretty much throughout the whole their whole roster. So um, Tom Brady, where's he going to go? Maybe the 49ers, maybe Miami, who knows? But I don't think that Tampa Bay is his best option for getting one more ring. Um, I mean, you saw it tonight. He didn't have time to throw. Not having Gronkowski or a premier tight end to throw to really hurt him. Um, you know, they were out of sync. They could not stop that Dallas pass rush, and he only had a few seconds before he had a throw. So, um, good for Dallas. Personally, uh, I think that they will be able to upset the 49ers next week. Um, Brock Purdy will kind of show his true colors under pressure because I don't think he's faced a team as good as um, Dallas has on defense. But, um, you know, the Cowboys, they got lucky they faced Tampa Bay, who could not do much on offense. Um, they turned over the ball. They had some issues. And Dak Prescott was able to hold on to the ball. So if he doesn't make those turnovers, I think Dallas has every opportunity to make a deep run into the postseason. But we need more than, you know, one consistent game in a row from Dak Prescott to feel secure. Um, especially for you Dallas fans. So good for them. Um, all three NFC East teams that made it are in the divisional round, which I think is something to be proud of if you're a fan of um, the Giants, the Cowboys, or the Eagles. But um, yeah, that's just my outlook or my review on, um, or recap, sorry, I don't know what I'm saying here, on those games. Um you know, it's just one of those things where I, I think that some of the teams that people thought weren't going to be able to hang in did. Um, maybe it was because, you know, Buffalo and Cincinnati had that extra week off or, you know, other teams were looking ahead because they're like, well, you know what? We go up against the Ravens or we go up against Miami who doesn't have a good team and they kind of overlook the team that they're playing. So, um I think next week we'll see all these teams that are pretty fine-tuned. Um, and it's going to you know, be a good race to the Super Bowl. All right, so next up I want to talk a little bit about um, the awards this year. So we're going to start off with Coach of the Year. Um, I think it's between Brian Dable and Doug Peterson. I would give it to Doug Peterson personally. Um, I think he's done a fantastic job. Um, 
you know, same with Brian Dable. He's done a really, really good job where um, you see the big growth in that team. But I think ultimately this award will come down to um, which team, if if any, can um, knock off the number one seed that they're going to face this coming weekend. If they don't, um, I say it's a toss-up. I would give it to Peterson, but I could definitely see it going to Dable. Um, Eli brought up a good point in our other podcast that, you know, because New York's a bigger market team um, and gets more recognition that he might win the award just because. Comeback player of the year. Um, it's either between Geno Smith or Saquon Barkley. I would give it to Saquon. Um, they made the playoffs. Saquon's had a really good year. Um, he's been able to carry that offense, so I, I think he deserves that award. Defensive rookie of the year. Um, Sauce Gardner's going to win it because the Jets' defense was so good. But I think, um, personally, Jaquan Brisker should win it. I think that he had the best year among rookies, or at least close, and he did it on a really bad team. So um, I just don't think he gets the recognition he deserves, but he is definitely a top-tier talent. Uh, Next up, offensive rookie. I think it'll go to Garrett Wilson, but it could also go to Kenneth Walker. Um, Garrett Wilson just had a great year for having really bad quarterback play. So I think that he should have a, a legitimate shot at you know winning it. Same with Kenneth Walker. Um, the dark horse could be Chris Olave, who also had a really good year. But um, you know it's just one of those where um, you know you can never really predict because there's three close players and you might have that surprise. Defensive player of the year. Um, I think this comes down to who is it? Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa? One of the two. Um, for the 49ers and Micah Parsons, I would give it to Micah Parsons. I mean, this guy does everything for their team. He drops back into coverage, he rushes, and I think that him dropping back into coverage is such a huge help for that defense, but hurts his stats as far as getting sacks and and pressures. So I would give it to him. I think he brings more of a versatility to that defense than um, anybody else in the league. Offensive player of the year, I think this is Justin Jefferson, runaway award. Um, Tyreek Hill would be the next closest player, but you know Justin Jefferson really carried his team, and since he's not in the running for MVP, um, at least from what I'm seeing or understanding, um, I think he'll run away with this award. Finally is the MVP. Um, <clears throat> I think this award will go to Patrick Mahomes. Um, personally, I think it should go to Jalen Hurts. I think that his absence showed and and his limitations in the last game showed what he brings to that team when he's playing at a high level. But Mahomes is the one that stayed healthy all year, that um, led Kansas City, that got rid of Tyreek Hill to the number one seed. So um, I think the injury there will kind of deter Hurts and, and Mahomes will get it. All right, so next up, um, a couple people have asked me to rank my top 10 MCU movies. Um, so before I even start with the list, I'm not a big Iron Man fan um, at all. And I I didn't like the second or third movies. Um, his first movie was all right. Like it was nothing too, too crazy where I'm like, wow, this is great. So no, he does not make my list. Um, same thing with the Black Panther movie. I see on a lot of different people's rankings that Black Panther's like top five. Um, that movie's not even top ten. It's probably number eleven for me. In all honesty, um, 
I don't think they're bad movies, but I don't think they bring the excitement that some of the other movies bring. So starting off at number 10, I have Captain America, The First Avenger. Great movie um, with the backstory of Steve Rogers. It has a lot of like emotional parts in it and just, you know, makes you understand who Captain America is. The, you know, perfect person that, you know, is doing the right thing for everyone involved, his country, um, the people he loves. So, um, great movie, great, great villain. Um, it was nothing like super crazy action packed, like you're going to see in, um, some of the other movies on our list, but it's one of those, it's just a really, really solid entry that you could watch a bunch of times. Number nine, I have Dr. Strange. Um, I thought this was a good origin story for him. Um, I really liked the visuals in it and, you know, it was a little different for me because I wasn't really familiar with who Doctor Strange was. So it was kind of refreshing to see this, you know, wizard that has this, you know, origin story that you can get to know. Um, because I think some of the characters, they just kind of throw in and they don't really give enough of a story around them to kind of feel the emotion through that character. Number eight, I'm going to go Thor Ragnarok. Um the first Thor I didn't mind. The second one was I mean so bad. But Thor Ragnarok was really good. Um it's one of those where I think there's just a lot of memorable scenes. Um you know, you have a lot of different um you know, good music throughout and a lot of memorable fight scenes that makes it awesome and also a good character cast. So this is definitely a solid ranking or a solid um entry on my list. Number seven, I'm going to go Far From Home. Uh, this was a Spider-Man movie. It was the second one in Tom Holland's trilogy. I thought this was a really good movie just because, you know, you introduce Mysterio and this is the first time he's been on the big screen. The visuals were just knock out in this movie. I would say that the storyline is a little bit weak as far as, you know, have him, having him travel across overseas and um, he doesn't want to be Spider-Man because he wants to be with his girlfriend who he's only been with for a couple months. And, um, you know, I think the fight scenes could have been longer and we could have had more visuals rather than um, one really, really good illusion scene from Mysterio and then one that's just kind of mediocre. I think they could have focused a little more on the relationships and the goofiness of mm -hmm. some of the characters and more of made an attempt to make Mysterio a little bit more villainous than what he is. Um, I don't think he's truly dead and you'll see that at the end of the film. So maybe they were just holding it back for the future, but, um, you know, this is one of those where it's a great movie. It's one that I can watch over and over, but I wish the tone would have been a little more serious. Um, number six is Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Um, I really, really like this movie. Now I didn't like the end battle just because it kind of, didn't really make sense of what was going on, at least in my opinion. But I thought the whole movie, like the choreography was good. The visuals were good. Um, some of the references were also so pretty solid. So um, I'm excited to see what they do with the um, furtherment of this character. But I, I think it's a really solid movie that um, I could watch at least once or twice more. And then, you know, maybe understand a little bit more and it could move up my rankings. But I, I don't think it would move up too, too much. All right, number five is Captain America Civil War. This was a fantastic movie that, 
you know, had a villain who wasn't, he wasn't super powered. He was just smart and knew how to pull the right strings and made the Avengers split up and fight each other. You see the introduction of Spider-Man, um, you know, you see Captain America versus, um, Iron Man and their supporters from the Avengers. I think it's just an awesome movie. It does a really good job at, you know, setting up bigger stakes in the Avengers movies. And it's one that I could watch over and over again. Coming in at number four, I have Spider-Man No Way Home. I thought this was one of my favorite movies. Um, I wish that, I don't know. I, I just wish that it could have been a little bit longer and we could have had more time with, you know, some of the other characters. I think that, um, there was a little bit too much fan service and I don't think some of the fan service was correct. Um, they could have done it in different ways. Um, I would have liked to see at least 30 more minutes of, you know, at least fight scenes or, you know, kind of building more of an emotional time with the old Spider-Man that came back and the new one, just because I think that they were setting up the final battle so quick that there wasn't just time to kind of hash things out and give us a an outlook for what we already know or what we always um, thought things were going to be. So this is a great movie. I could watch this, you know, 50 times in a row and still be interested. Um, but like I said, it's one of those things where, yeah, a lot of people get hyped up because of fan service. And I still think this is like a nine and a half out of 10 movie, but there's a lot of other things that they could have done right that would have allowed the movie to um, have more an emotional presence and have fan service in the correct way, in my opinion. So, for example, you know, I wasn't a big fan of um, some of the things they did with, like, the Lizard and Electro, and they, you know, they really didn't give them a full opportunity to, you know, showcase who they really were and how dangerous they were. It was just kind of a quick fight, and then you go to the very final battle, um, which, I don't know, it's just one of those things for me where it's like, I would have liked to see him wreaking havoc on the city, and Doc Ock, you know, or Green Goblin wreaking havoc on the city, and, um, you know, he has to lure them in rather than just, oh, they ran away, and, you know, they're going to come back for one final battle. Um, I also wasn't a big fan of the entrance of the other Spider-Men, um, I think it could have been done in more of a dramatic fashion that um, would have allowed it to be a little bit more um, built up and, and awesome in my opinion. But other than that, great movie. All right, coming in at number three, I have Spider-Man Homecoming. This was a fantastic entry into Spider-Man and the MCU. He did not have to have an origin story. We just kind of knew that he already had his powers um, we were introduced to him in Civil War. He's just this, you know, young kid that's fighting crime on the street. And, you know, the vulture comes along and, you know, he's trying to step up and be a hero where everyone doubts him. Um, just a great movie. It's one of those that um, I think does a lot more because than some of the other movies on this list because it builds the character so well. It doesn't just skip over 10 different parts that are inter integral to I, i'm trying to think integral to the 
character that we are trying to um, understand. So, I don't know, at the end of the day, this is definitely top three for me. Um, It's just one of those where everything was executed well, and I think for, you know, not having the stakes that um, it did, it did a very good job at, um, you know, introducing a villain that kind of just stands on his own and is able to have um, that Raimi effect of um, being a scary villain that, you know, isn't a Thanos type super powered villain. Coming in at number two, I have Captain America and the Winter Soldier. This was this movie just blew me away. I mean, I wasn't expecting this movie to be as good as it was. So you have Captain America, who is fighting the Winter Soldier, who turns out to be his old friend Bucky, who took the super serum, and he's been like this notorious killer for the longest time, and you know he's he's trying to get his buddy back while also taking down Hydra, who's infiltrated. Um, you know, shield, just a great movie set up. Awesome. And the fact that you have this just plot twist of that, I didn't see coming of the winter soldier is Bucky. Wow. That was just amazing. Coming in at number one, Avengers infinity war. I know people are going to try and cut my head off because Endgame wasn't on this. Listen, Endgame ticked me off so bad because all Endgame did was, well, we have to go back and get the Infinity Stones and let me snap my finger and everybody's back and now we have a final battle. Like, I understand they were doing a little bit of fan service, but I would have liked just a lot, like a longer battle, like a quicker, hey, we're going back through the timelines because I didn't need that movie to go back and show me little extras of, um, you know, older movies that we've already seen. I wanted it to be this big, bad dragging out battle. That's more than 30 minutes against Thanos. Um, they, they could have done a better job in that movie and it, you know, it's subpar in my opinion, but it's Avengers Endgame, So people are definitely going to go crazy over it, but infinity war. Wow. Was this great? It introduces Thanos. It introduces all of the bad guys. You have all the Avengers split up as Thanos is on his mission to get the Infinity Stones. You have everyone on the Avengers and all their split up little groups, Guardians of the Galaxy, absolutely struggling with Thanos, who's just wrecking through them, getting these Infinity Stones. Then you have Thanos, who almost gets beat by Iron Man, Spider-Man, Guardian of the Galaxy, because... He's like taken down by, I guess that girl's name is Mantis that can just, you know, put her hands on his head and put him into this like, um, confused state. And then you have the plot twist of Star Lord hits him in the face and, and they lose. And they're like, oh my gosh, like we could have just beat Thanos. And then you have Thor who Loki was just killed. Hulk just got the crap beat out of him and now he doesn't want to fight anymore. And you're looking at Thor who's pissed off with this Thanos killing weapon. And after Thanos has just taken out all the Avengers after the war on Wakanda, you have this crazy scene where he comes flying in, throws his axe, 
nails Thanos in the in the chest, and you're like, oh my god, it's over. You hear his chest cracking as he puts the the axe or the yeah the axe further and further into his chest, and you just you should have went for the head and the snap. It's the biggest like, oh my goodness, plot twist. Like, didn't expect it. You thought that they were gonna kill Thanos, and I just think altogether. It's a movie that doesn't really have many weak points. Um, and, and that's my list of top 10. I know that there's some that, you know, you could argue could be higher on here. But these are the ones that, um, personally, for me, that I like the best. So, you know, don't kill me because I don't like the same movies as you. But I, I think this is a very solid list right here. All right. So next up, um, there's actually a drink that I got at Rudder's the other day. And it was called Starry. And I've never seen it before, and I never really, like, I, I didn't really think about what it could be. So, Sierra Mist used to be Pepsi's um, counterpart to Sprite. And since Sierra Mist was getting knocked out of the park by Sprite, they rebranded it to Starry. Um, here's the thing. It's not that good. It's basically the same thing as Sierra Mist, but I think it has less carbonation. And I think that's... Like for me, that's the reason why I like Sprite because when you drink Sprite, it has a good flavor, but it hits you with that kick of carbonation where it's like, wow, like, you know, it just kind of like makes you notice that you're drinking it. Starry is like really flat in my opinion. And it's not something that like makes me go, wow, like this is a drink that I really want to continue drinking. Um, I don't know. That's just me. Maybe other people would like, um, this rebranded Pepsi or, you know, Sierra Mist, but it's just not it for me. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, if you're Pepsi, you kind of need to accept the fact that the people who like Sierra Mist are probably not going to welcome the change. And just because you rebranded does not mean that you're going to gain a lot of people just because your label looks a little different. Um, I mean, for me, it was like, okay, I don't really know what this is. I didn't know it was Pepsi, so I'm going to try it, but it's not that good. And that's why I don't drink Sierra Mist. So I think the biggest thing is changing the formula so that people are like, wow, this is like a step up from what Sprite is. And that's their main competitor. All right. So for those of you that are looking for a quality place to get a meal, um, I went to this place in Ephrata called the Pancake Farm. Um, it's kind of near Ephrata High School, but they had, I, I got this, um, Monte Cistro or something like that. And basically what it was is it was French toast breading, like bread, and then you had ham, turkey, and Swiss. And if you got it on the lunch special, which was like 10 bucks, you got a free dessert with it. And let me tell you, it was great. Um, the service there was really nice. It's really small. It wasn't too crowded. You had, I don't know, by the, from the time I ordered to the time that my food came out, it was maybe five minutes and everything tasted really good. And it was just one of those things where it's like, would I rather go to like a bigger, more known diner that is going to be more expensive and take a lot longer? 
or would I give my business to, you know, this place, the pancake farm that has really good service, is really fast and meets all my needs. And for 10 bucks, you get your meal and you get a dessert, which every other place you'd be paying, you know, between six and $8 for a dessert item. So I would definitely recommend it. Like I said, it's called the Pancake Farm in Ephrata. Very, very good. And if you're looking for something that, um, you know, you want a cheap meal that tastes good, this is definitely a good place. And it's a nice atmosphere. All right. So I know a lot of you have seen the memes, but there was this police officer. Her name was Megan Hall. And she is married and I'm not sure if the guy's a police officer, but whatever he was, um, she was cheating on him with like six other guys in the police station. And I think they were like doing stuff on the clock. Um, and I know the news just came out recently that her husband's standing by her, but man, that's just so screwed up. Like, you know, you're married to somebody and you're doing six other guys at your job while you're on the clock. And it's like, what is wrong with people? And you just look at the picture of the girl and it's like, yeah, you, you kind of look nuts in a way. So um, let me know what your guys' thoughts are on this. I mean, I just think it's super effed up that, um, you know, this girl's married and she's doing stuff on the clock as a police officer in the cars and in the building. It's like, how how stupid can you be? And also like, how disgusting can you be? Like all in, all in a matter of what a couple months it said online, it's like, you're, you're doing six other guys. Like what is she doing when her husband isn't around and it's not at her work? So yeah, just very disgusting. I know everybody's been seeing the memes, but I, I had to bring it up here on the podcast because it's something that's just like disgusting to me. All right. So um, movie recommendation. I know I talked about Army of the Dead last time. I'll talk about another movie that's within like the zombie apocalypse genre. Um, Zombieland. One of the best movies. You have a great cast. You have Emma Stone. Um, you have Jesse. I. What's his name? Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. You have Woody Harrelson. Just a really funny movie. Um, it doesn't have a lot to do with like the actual zombie apocalypse and like fighting them off until the end, which is pretty like pretty funny to me that, you know, usually when you have a movie, people are like, and it's about like action or the zombie apocalypse or like, you know, superhero movies. Like that's all people want to see is action. And this movie was so good with its comedy and storyline that it could get away with only having like 10 minutes of, of zombie fighting or 15 minutes, whatever it was, but, um, definitely a really funny movie and a good concept. I think if you guys watch it, you'll definitely get a bunch of good laughs. Personally, for me, this is like a nine, six out of 10. Um, there's only a few things that I would change and it's not much, it's just little things for myself, which I would probably say a little bit more of like, the zombie fighting or just a little bit longer of a movie in general um, because I think there was a lot more potential with it. But um, that's actually going to end the podcast here. So Thursday or Friday, 
look for me to put out another podcast. It's going to be previewing um, the NFL divisional wild card or the NFL divisional gate playoff games, and then I'll have some other topics to discuss. For those of you that listen, um, I really appreciate it. You know, like I said, I want this to be something where I can have different people on the podcast and talk about different things. So, you know, people understand that there's other people out there that understand that, you know, understand things the way that they would. And um, yeah, but that's going to end it. So thanks for listening and I'll see you back in a couple of days.